Hey hot stuff, before we get into the episode, we just wanted to remind you that we are now uploading weekly bonus episodes over on our Patreon. The link to our Patreon will be in our show notes and it's a really great way to support the podcast and help us make more episodes for you. Do we agree with the Andrew Tate social media ban? I agree that all men should be banned from social media. <laughs> if that's not the most Kara Ari thing you've ever heard. Happy Friday. Welcome to a brand new episode of To Be Honest, the podcast. My name's Amanda. You can call me Ducky. And today, of course, as always, I'm sitting across from the woman, the moment, the legend, (laughs) Miss Kara Aridi. Hello. Hello. Someone sent sent me a reel on Instagram of Lady Gaga being like incredible... I'm afraid to be referenced or not referenced, amazing, spectacular. And she was like, this is you guys hyping each other up at the beginning of each episode. It is. Look. Sometimes we've just got to give ourselves that extra energy when we're getting in mm. to sit down to talk shit for an hour. So, yeah. you know, anyway, today we're doing unprofessional opinions. But first, Miss Reedy, what do you have to be honest about today? What I have to be honest about is the fact that I've been hashtag hustling. Oh, are we like, are we like pro hustle culture? Oh, I'm all for, I don't think I've ever said anything against hustle culture. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I've been um, working on another podcast that I just made, which is just about the little books that I read. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're not so little. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited. I've been working on that. I posted my first episode a couple of days ago, which was really fun because I just like, I I love talking about books, which Mm. I feel like people on this podcast know about because Whenever I mention books, they're like, oh, like, I'd love to know what Cara's reading. I'm like, it's just not really the time for it on this podcast. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I've created a time for it. So anyway, I'm not going to plug it too much. But if you want to go and follow me on that, it's on my Instagram. So go check there. It's called What I'm Reading by Cara Reedy. Yes. Or What I'm Currently Reading. What I'm Reading. What I'm Reading. Fake fucking fan. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sure. that's what I actually want to spell. I'm feeling very creatively inspired by that. I'm really loving it. And enjoying the process. Love to hear it. What do you have to be honest about this week? I have to be honest about the fact that I've got my period right now. (laughs) I'm on day three and it's just like not a great time. I've been having ongoing issues with my period for like over a year now, Mm. I would say. And I feel like, I mean, this month isn't as bad as it was last month, but I've just basically been having a lot of issues with really bad cramps and just like without being too TMI I just feel like I bleed through everything the vibes are low the vibes are low and I'm like there's something going on I already know that there's something going on but I'm gonna have to go back to the doctor just you know thought I'd express that I'm having a shit go right now Mm. today in particular Mm -hmm. but I'm excited to record Mm. so we're also synced up period wise i've also got my period which is we haven't been synced up in a while because my period's usually fucked and always out of whack yeah <laughs> look we're two <laughs> dysregulated period bitches in this house i'm not dysregulated i'm just like deeply dysfunctional <laughs> <laughs> but anyway the vibes are low but we're trying to bring them to you higher than maybe we we can realistically bring them today yeah we've got 11 i think it's 11 11 amazing questions for unprofessional opinions. 
most of them have come from our patrons because on Patreon, we kind of give our patrons a chance to submit their questions first. And apparently our patrons have incredible questions. We've also got a couple other ones from our general Instagram question box as well. So, Duck Dog, do you want to take it away? I would love to. Our first question's a spicy one. We love to see it. Okay, so this person said they would love to know our thoughts on all things sex work. Sugar daddies, foot pics, OnlyFans, etc. Only if you feel comfortable. I just think it's an interesting topic. I actually love that this person, when she sent it in, she did sugar daddies, old man emoji, foot pics, foot emoji. Yeah. <laughs> I love the detail. Yeah. Um, I guess like to start it off like blanket statement, like my thoughts are that like anyone doing any of these things, like get your bag, hun. Mm. That's my thought. Yeah. That's like my blanket statement thought. Yeah. Um, if I want to get more specific, have I considered taking foot pics and trying to sell them yes am i currently trying to consider it yes good for you honey i've considered selling my underwear (laughs) 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 i'm forgetting that this is a public episode i'm so used to doing patreon episodes but it's fine guys you guys can hear this there's just so many things that i'm like get your bag do whatever the fuck you want to do and it's all work work is work is work you know what i mean yeah i think that like Uh, The great thing about the rise of things like OnlyFans and sort of uh, sex workers like being able to take more control Mm. and work with more ethical companies than they could in the past makes it is making it more of a safe industry to work in, I suppose, Mm. than it was in the in the past. And so I'm definitely pro like people doing whatever they want Mm -hmm. um, as long as they feel comfortable and empowered and all of that good stuff. I find it so interesting because like as I'm sure most of us have, I've got those DMs. Oh my god, from I was just thinking daddies, about those. And I'm always like, is this for real? Every now and then when they're like no sexual content, I'm like, do I respond and just like see? But like what if I get scammed? But what if I don't? Like what if I get five thousand dollars? That's what's so confusing to me. I'm like because I've had friends in the past who have had friends who have had sugar daddies and it's been like so legit and they mm. just would like spend time with them. Yeah. And I'm like yeah, I just find it fascinating. I, I have such a respect for someone who's interesting enough to have someone pay to spend time with them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, good for you. I don't think I don't think it could be me. I don't think I'm interesting enough. Like You're I, I interesting. like I like silence too much. I don't I don't know if that's what <laughs> they're like looking silence to pay and for. Alone time, which is exactly <laughs> not what they want. I'm gonna yeah. get to fifty and pay for a sugar baby myself and be like, spend time with me. I'm bored and alone. <laughs> But honestly, like, I think it's interesting and it's, like, very incredible that, like, this thing has kind of come up in the past few years. Mm. And, like, obviously there's a lot of people who are super, I guess, like, judgmental about it and maybe not open-minded and everything. We obviously have that side of the coin. But mm. I think in on the whole it's become more mainstream and therefore more accepted or at least people understand it a bit more. Mm. And also... There's the whole thing of like, you know, foot pics. Let's give the foot fetish people what they want. Yeah. Good for them. That's the thing. If it's like, if the people who are receiving the sex work are getting what they want and the people who are doing the sex work are getting what they want, it's like, what's the problem? And it's consensual and everyone, mm. everyone's happy and safe and thriving. Mm. Good. Great. Mm. Keep going. Yeah. Those are our thoughts. I think the world could do with more foot pics. Could it? <laughs> Yeah. I'm I'm kind of anti-feet in general, so. Yeah, you don't like 
feet at all. Anyway. Anyway. Question number two. So this person said, I've been together with my boyfriend for about two years and I love him very much. He has a lot of good qualities, but sometimes he shows little red flags. This is not written in the question, but I'm kind of like, he's a man. How could he not show red flags? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if I would accept these red flags in a person that I just met. We are still very young and growing and learning every day, but I question if this relationship lives up to all of my expectations. I'm really unsure what to do about it. This is interesting because obviously this is a very self-aware and a very... I guess like a mature thing to even realize. I think a lot of people when they get into relationships, especially if it's been going on for a little while, like a couple of years, like Mm. it sounds like this person has, it's kind of easy to ignore these things, right? Or become so comfortable that you just kind of don't think about them because you don't want to consider the thought that maybe it's not right. Yeah, for sure. I think that this is a really interesting thing to try and dissect Mm. in a way because I want to start with the... He has a lot of good qualities, but sometimes he shows little red flags. I completely understand what you mean Mm. in the sense that, like, I think that everyone has things. No one's perfect. Everyone has amber to red flags. That's the thing. I do. Kara does. Like, we all do. We all have things that are, like, going to piss a partner off. Right? And, like, that's just something that I think we need to... Um, accept and also as you get to know someone more I, I just think they're going to piss you off more like absolutely I think that's just the reality so then when you say uh, would I accept these red flags in a person I just met it's once again a little bit difficult to dissect in the sense mm. that like if these red flags were things that were obvious to you then yeah they probably would piss you off yeah. straight away but if they are little things that have sort of developed over time with your partner I can see how they wouldn't be red flags when you first meet someone, if that makes sense. I guess it's it's hard for us to fully understand without knowing um, what, what the, the red, red flags, flags are. are. Because, like, some <laughs> things are like, ooh, that's, like, a major red flag. Yeah. Right? Whereas, like, you know, sometimes people will have a partner who has a differing opinion to them on something. Yeah. And it's something that they can work through or look past. It just depends on the severity of it. Yeah, like, I completely agree. It is hard without knowing what the red flag is. I do think, like, you know, general kind of, like, disagreements in relationships happen. And, like, you're never going to find someone, whether it's a friend or a partner, who agrees with everything on you. But if it's something like a values issue or a moral issue or, like, something just doesn't align that feels very important to you mm. um, on, like, a belief level potentially, I do understand how as you get to get to know someone better and you know over two years like that seems like a long time but it's not a super long time to like get to know someone very very well if that Mm -hmm. makes sense like Mm -hmm. I feel like two years is like a good amount of time to be like okay I know this person Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm -hmm. so like I kind of make it kind of you know it doesn't surprise me that maybe you are seeing things that you're like oh like this maybe would have once been something that I would have thought no when I first met someone yeah I guess maybe just the fact that you are aware of it is a great thing mm. and maybe keep it in mind and maybe have a think about like what are my values what are the things that I want to have in a relationship what is super important to me and what do I feel like I need to have in a relationship in order to be fulfilled and happy because mm. if these things are you know not ideal but like we said no relationship is perfect if they're not ideal but they're not going to be conflicting with any of those things mm. you might find that it's just kind of like one of those things that you compromise on. Yeah. Which, if you've listened to our previous episode on compromising, 
uh, we, we've realized, we figured out that it's actually not that much of a bad thing all the time. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I definitely understand where you're coming from in the sense that I've been in relationships in the past that I have started to feel like I'm not sure if this is living up to my expectations. I'm not sure if this is what I want. And I just want you to know that it's like totally okay to feel that way and to be unsure and to actually just like sit in that uncertainty. You don't need to make a decision straight away Mm -hmm. of like, is this person like my forever person? You can just enjoy the experiences that you're having together and then sort of see how things go. I really encourage you to, if these red flags are things that you decide are absolute deal breakers for you or things that you couldn't see yourself, uh, you know, continuing to grow with someone, then talk to them about it. Um, But I do think the art of compromise is a really beautiful thing to explore as well. And we're sort of taught to not compromise at the moment in today's society and dating, in my Mm. opinion. But I actually think that compromise is a very, very healthy thing to do. Yeah, I agree. Okay, our next question. Look, we have to talk about it, don't we? We we, we do. This is is the elephant in the room. I actually was going to say... I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but maybe after the album comes out, we could do a whole episode about the album. I say yes. Okay, great. We haven't done a Taylor <laughs> Swift episode in a while, and I'm like, that could just be like fun and. We've only ever done one Taylor Swift episode, which yeah. is kind of a crime in itself. Yeah. But anyway, I feel like anyway. a lot of things are going to be said after this album comes out. If you guys, this question is about Midnight. Yeah. Tales so, upcoming album. <laughs> this question is, what are your thoughts on Midnight's? And do you think there'll be a tour for Lover, Folklore, Evermore and Midnight's? If you're not in the Taylor Swift universe, they are her last four albums. Yes, we've been blessed the past few years with Taylor Swift content. We have. Um, okay, thoughts on Midnight. First of all, screaming, crying, throwing up. That's my thoughts. <laughs> like my favorite album ever of all time. Uh-huh. I don't care that I haven't heard a single note from any song. Uh-huh. My favorite album. Mm-hmm. This album to me says personal lyrics. It says, I am a human who you relate to. I'm not just Taylor Swift, the God. Mm-hmm. It says superior sounds at probably like a 70s to 80s vibe, mm. electric guitars, that kind of stuff. Mm. I'm living for it already. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, my thoughts are that I'm hoping for something a bit uh, with a bit more mm. Mm. I, I get you because we just got Folklore and Evermore. I completely get you. I want something that just kind of like hits me, yes. you know, that like has a bit of grunt to it yeah i completely Um, agree that's what i want and a bit of edge i'm not talking reputation edge i'm talking like rock edge i'm talking like i I don't even know how to describe it but that's kind of the energy that i'm really really hoping for i'm definitely very very excited about the album i'm also it's also for me giving maggie rogers and i don't know if this is because i'm in my maggie rogers (laughs) era right now and i'm like obsessed with her but i just feel like the vibes i'm getting from the album cover and like all the content we've been given it's giving indie it's, angsty it's pop giving girly. indie rock pop yeah that's what it's giving so i'm excited about i'm that. so fucking excited like i'm not kidding when i say that like this is my favorite album it's my favorite album absolutely ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) okay do we think that we're going to get a uh, lover folklore evermore and midnight's tour no No. blanket statement (laughs) (laughs) no end of sentence i think we're gonna get a midnight's tour Mm. with horrifyingly 
a little bit of each of the previous previous albums sprinkled in. Lover just doesn't fit. Like I love Lover the album, okay? I love it. But we're, we're, but we're past it. I just feel like Folklore and Evermore are hitting the vibes that like she can easily incorporate some of those songs into the Midnight's tour that she eventually does. But the Lover, uh, I just don't know what's going to fit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, You know, I had a thought the other day and it was she did – the long pond sessions for folklore Mm. and we'd had the paris sessions obviously it wasn't the whole album but Mm. like the lover do you think that she didn't do something like that for evermore because she thought she might tour it and then she was like they're gonna get because i honestly feel like we're probably we're not gonna get like anywhere close to most of folklore she obviously like lover was a fucking shit show train wreck in terms of the pandemic Mm. um maybe she was thinking she'd tour evermore i don't know what the fuck happened in between then and now she's like forgotten about evermore evermore's like the older child the eldest child yeah like the one that's just like let out into the world and it's like go we don't care. But I do think that obviously we have what one, two, three albums plus some re recorded vault tracks, like mm. from the re recordings. Like we we have too many, too many songs. We've been blessed with too many songs. We're gonna get a midnight's tour mm-hmm. and then we're gonna get some other things sprinkled in. Yeah. But no more than that, unfortunately. I, I believe this is the case as well. <laughs> I believe it to be true. <laughs> I believe it to be true. Thank you so much, Miss Reedy, for <laughs> summarising my thoughts so well. Okay. Um, this person asked, do you have any tips on how to stop shopping as a coping mechanism for stress? I found this so interesting. Love this question because I feel like this is very present for me in my life at the moment. Can I just say really quickly? Yes, you can. What I realized about a year ago, and this is the most counterintuitive thing. Mm. When I was stressed about money, mm. I'd be so much more pushed to spend money, like yeah. mentally. And I think it was because I realized it was because I was like so stressed that I just wanted something to buy to make me feel better. Mm. Which is so stupid because you spend money when you're stressed about money and you're stressed about money. Mm. Like, it's ridiculous. How do you feel about this question? I feel like I I completely understand where this person is coming from because I actually think this is, like, a big issue in the world. Like, so many of us spend beyond our means Mm -hmm. because we feel like it's going to make us feel better and we've been taught, I guess, that, like, shopping does make us feel better right like thinking about even movies i watched as a teenager where they go and like they try things retail therapy retail therapy we've been told that buying things makes us feel good yes so i understand how this this happens because like honestly for the past forever however long i can remember i've been spending beyond my means because Mm. i think that like for example buying new clothes is going to make me feel better about myself right yeah we live in a world that fucking picks at your beauty standards and makes you feel like you need to be on trend and mm-hmm. makes you feel like you need to be all of these things in order to be desirable. And so then, of course, when we're stressed out and we're not feeling good and we're feeling yeah. low, in order to make ourselves feel better, um, shopping is something that definitely can make people feel better, even if it's not shopping for clothes, even if it's like shopping for things around my Anything. home, shopping for food and spending a lot of money on food, just yeah. like whatever people find comfort in it can be easy to reach towards those things when we're feeling shitty uh in terms of tips on how to stop shopping as a coping mechanism do you have anything to start with just based on my experience and i do feel like this 
person might be dealing with it a bit differently than what I did. But when I noticed that I was shopping more when I was like in periods of stress or or like trying to like make myself feel better, I kind of, well, first of all, I think being aware of it's super important. Mm. Like if I was going online and I was like, oh, like I can't really afford to buy this dress or whatever, but like I want to buy it, I would really try and sit on it. I wouldn't just like click buy straight away. I'd try to be aware of it. But also I started And I know this is much easier said than done. And this is also like a place of privilege of me having some money to spend. Mm. But like, I also purposely put a, like, I guess a account, like a savings account in where I'd put like even $10 a week or $20 a week. And that's what I can spend Mm. on things that I don't need. Like not groceries, not like uh, petrol for my car, not bills, nothing. Like it's actually just like a, nice things to spend on myself because Mm. even if it's ten dollars a week if you think about that like at the end of the month you could buy yourself like something nice like skincare wise Mm. or you could maybe take yourself to the movies and stuff like that like whatever it is yeah um and that helped me because i kind of figured out like this would be you know buying something that's four months worth of that savings Mm. in one go when i can't afford that right now i'm gonna be stressed yeah Yeah, I think the biggest thing that has helped me is really like understanding why I am doing this. And for me, like the biggest thing, because honestly, recently I feel like I've had a really good mindset shift when it comes to purchasing clothing in particular, because that for me is the biggest thing Mm. where I, I have a lot of insecurities when it comes to the way that I look. And so in order to combat that, I feel like I was like constantly buying new clothes and like We live in a fast fashion world where it is very, very easy to get clothing very, very quickly Mm -hmm. and quite cheaply as well. Mm -hmm. And so something that I did is I started to fully understand that and fully understand that, you know, uh, basically these brands want me to feel shit about myself so that I buy their clothes. And that kind of made me understand uh, that better. And then as well as that, I started to think to myself, Okay, in the past when I've like impulsively bought clothing, has it made me feel better long term? No. Uh, No, it hasn't because A, it's made me financially stressed out and then B, in like two months, I don't like those clothes and I feel like I need to buy more because clothing and fast fashion especially is produced to make us keep buying and keep buying. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, it was like understanding that part of myself and gaining more of an understanding of the industry that made me be like, okay, this is really something that I consciously want to try and stop contributing to because Mm. I would rather spend my money on other things. And as well as that, I don't want to keep being in this cycle of feeling crap about myself. No, I want to work on my relationship with myself instead of going out and buying things to try and feel better. Yeah. And like, think about like, if you, if you are not in that trap of buying 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 when you do buy new things no matter what it is it's going to be more enjoyable and you're going to probably treasure it more Mm. and you're going to realize that like it's going to be something that you will use and enjoy for a longer period of time yeah for sure okay moving on to our next question do we agree with the andrew tate social media ban i agree that all men should be banned from social media (laughs) If that's not the most Kara Ari thing you've ever heard, I'm I don't kidding. know what it is. I completely agree with the Andrew Tate social media ban. I think that it is honestly like a one in a million kind of example that social media networks are kind of doing something right. I think there's been a lot of people in the past already who have deserved to be banned 
but haven't been because, you know, free speech, blah, 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 whatever the fuck the, uh, the excuse is. Yeah. Andrew Tate was doing so much harm with what he was saying, not only to the, like to the women specifically or the people who were hearing his mm-hmm. messages, but also to the specifically young boys that he was Im- impressioning. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it wasn't good. He doesn't deserve a platform. Social media is not a right. It's no. a privilege. Yeah. So use it as such. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's really good to actually see uh, big organizations actually taking a stand against mm. the people who do use their content. We see a lot of people being removed from social media for like having their ass out in too many pics. And yet yeah. we don't have people like him removed sooner. And I yeah. think that this has really created a good conversation around like what is acceptable on social media. And it's really given these platforms a responsibility an ethical responsibility to not allow such hate speech on social media. Completely agree. Okay. So this person asked, what do you think of reconciling after someone has cheated? Do you think it's possible to forgive? What do you think? As your resident (laughs) been cheated on three times in my life, girly, Mm -hmm. I feel pretty qualified to answer this question. Yeah. So what do I think about reconciling after someone has cheated? Um, I've reconciled once in my life when mm-hmm. this happened. It's actually when I was really young and the first time it happened. And it was quite a confronting thing to happen to me when I was so young. And But I do think that I... I don't think I fully moved on because I think even now sometimes I think about the experience. And I mm-hmm. think that was a really, really hurtful thing that happened to me. And I almost feel like I forgave too quickly in the situation yeah. and I kind of like moved through it too quickly and didn't allow myself time to be like, okay, that actually really fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. However, in saying that, I think that if you're in an adult relationship, I do think that it is possible to forgive someone and to move forward, but I t- think it takes a very adult relationship and a lot of uh, work to get through. In my experience, mm-hmm. like, In the other two times that I have been cheated on, uh, when I've been a bit older, it has been a really, really difficult thing. And in both of those situations, the people cheated on me and then didn't want to be in a relationship with me anymore. So I almost didn't have the choice to like Mm. be with them. But I think that it's like uh, it would have been very, very difficult and taken a lot of mature conversations and work to actually move forward um in that situation yeah i'm just gonna say it i've never been cheated on obviously i've never been in a relationship we all know this but i don't think i could move on from cheating Mm. i don't think i could i think that i could move on in terms of like i could be happy and thriving and fine Mm. but like not with the person yeah i couldn't be back together with them and like i do think it's definitely possible for that to be the case where you genuinely forgive work through and everything like that i think it probably takes a specific type of person and a specific type of couple to do that um and yeah like a lot of emotional maturity and a lot of self-awareness and a lot of patience because i can imagine that like for example like if i was going to be forgiving or trying to forgive a partner who had cheated and we had like made the decision to stay together and work through it there's going to be some anger coming up there. Oh, yeah, there's going to sure. be some sadness. And like the person who did the wrong thing is going to have to almost have to like sit through that for a mm. bit, the discomfort of it. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, so I do think that it would. it's possible. Could I personally do it? I seriously doubt it. Mm. I seriously doubt it. Yeah. I do just want to add at the end of this, if you have been cheated on and like this is something that you're trying to like figure out what to do, I think Kara and I have both shown that it really depends on the person and the experience. It depends on the extent of the cheating. Uh, there are so many things that go into it, into whether to stay together. And I think it's really important to be in touch with yourself and like, how you genuinely feel and whether you genuinely feel like you can move forward or not Mm. or whether you're going to be feeling this anger and this resentment and this hurt uh, too much in the relationship even if this like begging you to stay in the relationship with you it is your call like they did the wrong thing and um it's uh, your your main priority right now should be yourself and what's best for you whether that's in or out of the relationship yeah and i also think it's important to remember that if you do say let's work on it and then you get like a month in two months in six months in a year in and you realize you can't forgive and move on Mm -hmm. that's also totally fine yeah okay moving on to our next question Recently, I have been getting takeaway food a lot because I felt too exhausted to cook. And I know that if I order food from certain places, it'll be a more filling and healthier meal than what I have had the energy to make for myself at home. Do you have any tips for how to motivate yourself to cook at home more often so that you can save money and also eat healthier? As your resident hates cooking, bad at cooking, but has recently been cooking, bitch, Mm. I will... I'll take the lead on this one. Thank you. Although I'm sure you have things to say because you do cook a lot and you're an amazing I've amazing been eating cook. a lot of takeaway lately. Yeah, that's fine. This is the first thing I want to say. You do go through – people go through these periods. Like I feel like it's very normal to go through periods where you eat more takeout or maybe you eat out like at restaurants more mm. or maybe you eat more like super simple, easy, like maybe not that nourishing meals at home. Like there's those periods of life exist. Yeah. That's also, that's fine. Do, you're doing the best you can. For me personally, what I've been finding really helped lately, and it really was a process of getting into this kind of habit, is I sit down every Saturday or Sunday and I have an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> she literally has an Excel. You know what? You should like share the Excel spreadsheet with the with the people who need it. Maybe I will. Guys, let me know if you want this. It's it's the sim- most simple thing I've ever put together in my whole life. It's actually like probably not even helpful because you guys could just make it yourself if you saw a photo of it. But um, I just have like the day of the week. And for me personally, when I, I work three days a week in an office, so I put like, um, you know, like Monday night dinner, Tuesday lunch and stuff like that. And I'll put like what I'm putting for each meal, mm. mostly just dinner and lunches. And then I'll also have a section where I put down what groceries I need to buy. And that's because... Every week, I will first plan my meals, put everything that is not in the pantry or not in the fridge that I need to buy for that meal, and then I'll put you know those groceries in my online shopping cart or onto a shopping list when I go into store. Mm-hmm. And I find that that organization makes it so much easier for me to feel like it's manageable mm-hmm. for me to like go into my week actually wanting to cook but most importantly i spend the time to actually look up recipes that i know i will want to eat Mm. and you know for for example at the moment i've got a cookbook that i like flick through and then some weeks i'll look at recipes online and honestly i found so many types of recipes and so many types of meals that i just consistently go back to like every week i'm like i know i want this i know i want this and that's super helpful because it actually Mm. makes me excited to cook which like I've never been able to say in my life yeah but that's how I feel now like tonight I'm making a lit green curry which I know I'm gonna love and that's exciting to me yeah 
Love that. So yeah, what are your tips? So my tips at the moment, like I mentioned, at the moment I'm a major takeaway girly. Like I literally was thinking tonight I have to go play netball. What takeaway should I get on the way home? (laughs) Vibes. Like that's kind of the stage of life I'm in now. Mm. In a bit of a rut when it comes to cooking, really struggling to find the time to do so. Things that I have noticed that do really help me is having a few go-to really simple meals. Like I'm talking... 15 minute meals Mm -hmm. something i've been loving is like having a packet gnocchi and just some veggies and frying it up and chucking some sauce on like it's important to remember that your meals don't have to be like super incredible and like the most amazing meal that you've ever made in your life like sometimes it can be really simple and i think that a lot of people can get caught up in trying to make themselves the best meal possible or pouring like a heap of love into their food and the reality is that like sometimes life just isn't like that i'm literally a food blogger and my life is currently not like that can't be bothered cooking a thing (laughs) yeah uh, unless i have like a decent amount of time to do so otherwise i'm just like literally chucking things together or ordering takeaway Mm. so definitely that's my advice look up on youtube or on instagram Mm. reels or just on google like 15 minute meals for whatever type of food you like just say you really like indian food or whatever Uh, look that up and see what comes up and just kind of have a few basics to go to i feel like it's kind of uh without it goes without saying that meal prep is a great thing to do Mm -hmm. if that's something that you want to do but i understand that that also could be like super time consuming and boring sometimes i personally don't meal prep because i find it super overwhelming and i hate the idea of food sitting in the fridge and me not eating it for a couple of days i just like can't eat the same thing every day unless it's a chocolate cake from all (laughs) worse what i also will say is something that's been a lifesaver for me is i used to buy fresh veg all the time Mm. thinking that like a it was like more nutritious just like by default and be like better for me to get but then I would decide to have the thing that that was for later in the week and then all of a sudden it would be like not nice enough to eat anymore Mm. and then I'd be like oh well now I need to get takeout because I haven't got any ingredients buy frozen veg Mm. just do it like you can like I've all I buy lately is just like frozen broccoli frozen peas frozen carrot it's the fucking same Mm. and it's cheaper and it doesn't go off Mm. so if you're someone like me who really struggles to like have things in the kitchen and like just whip like like what you said before like if you have frozen broccoli and carrots and peas you can make a stir fry yeah literally anytime yeah as long as you have them in your freezer Mm -hmm. at any point anyway those are our tips those are our tips you're welcome okay so this next person has said i'm about to go on a first date with someone but he's just said that he plays poker for a living is this a big red flag or am i just being too judgmental we're both 30 by the way Okay, so first of all, I want to say in regards to like red flags and deal breakers and stuff like that, if that's your deal breaker, that's okay. Yes. First of all, if you're like, oh, this is going to give me a bit of an ick and it's not, I'm not interested in dating someone who plays poker, uh, regardless of their age, that's Mm. a fine thing to do. I don't think you're being too judgmental, but I do think that sometimes it can be worth getting to know someone beyond what they do for a living. Mm. Um, For example, uh, a lot of people wouldn't find what I do for work and sharing my life online a super desirable career um, of someone to date. Like a lot of people are really private. A lot of people uh, may think that that's like a bizarre career choice or something like Mm. that. and that would suck, you know, if someone was being like, because someone does this for a career, yeah. it's not someone that I want to be involved with. So like my advice, if this were me, if 
they seem to have a lot of other really wonderful qualities about them I would go on the date and just see what it's like and maybe ask them a bit about their work how they got into it what inspires them Mm. about it if they want to continue doing it and things like that and just seeing how it goes yeah I totally agree I think like you know jobs in particular like we live in a world where money is important so if you're looking for a partner like most people are going to say to an extent like it's important to know that like your partner is working maybe in a job where they can support themselves at the very least right Mm. let's just use that for an example Mm. I don't know if this is this person's concern here like maybe they think poker isn't like a very good job to be able to support yourself which I just from my little knowledge I feel like poker players professional poker players have a lot of money because they if they win they they win a lot of money right but if they lose do they lose a lot of money I don't know I don't really know how poker works but maybe the red flag besides that maybe it's not that it could be the fact that poker like is a form of gambling i guess Mm. in some way maybe it's like is there a culture around poker like that maybe is like super like fast paced and maybe a little bit toxic like Mm. nightlife type of um culture i don't know what the red flag is here but i think that if you yeah if you're not sure about it but you were already planning on going a date and you were already interested enough to go on a date like ducky said maybe just go on it ask them about it Make up your mind. You don't even have to make up your mind on the first date. It could be the second or third, like, as you get to know them better. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, like, see how you go. Um, I think playing poker for a living as a blanket statement is not a red flag necessarily, but, like, yeah. that we don't know you and, like, what your perception is or what your needs are as a person in a relationship. Mm. And that's so fine. Like Ducky said, that if you get to a point where you're like, that's not for me because of his career, That is so fine. I think just take it as it comes. Yeah. Okay. Our next question is, do you think that what I eat in a week videos may be triggering? I think that they can be. Mm -hmm. It depends on the person you're watching and it depends on who you are and what your relationship with food and eating and diet is like. Yes, Mm. I agree. I've personally been triggered before by Mm -hmm. watching what I eat in the videos from people who maybe uh like have a similar past like as calorie counting as i have had which like i struggled with in the past or maybe people who have you know had unhealthy messages Mm. but i don't think that blanket statement what i eat in a week videos are unhealthy at all Mm. yeah i agree as your resident um makes what i eat in a week videos girly (laughs) i definitely see how they can be triggering in the sense that if you're someone who's in a space where they do compare themselves to other people and compare what they eat to other people, then I don't think that watching what I eat in a week videos or any food content is a good idea. No. Um, I think that it is very important to be mindful of what you're consuming and how it makes you feel. Blanket statement for everyone in the mm-hmm. world because certain people will get triggered by certain things. As well as that, I do think that there is a responsibility um, of the creators in the sense that like, For example, if I was under eating and then Mm. sharing what I eat in the week videos, that would be a really, really bad thing for me to do. It would Mm -hmm. not be fair to the people watching my videos who are then thinking that, uh, for example, with me, like that that's how they should eat if they want to be vegan. Um, I think it's especially bad when people make like what I eat in a week for weight loss videos or mm-hmm. what I eat in a week to stay lean videos or like lean is such a funny word, isn't it? It's like just say skinny. Yeah. Just say skinny. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I just think that when it comes to the content that you're consuming, just be mindful of the way that it makes you feel in general. Okay, so this next one is a bit of a long one, but this person wants our advice. So let's hear it. Okay, she says, me and my boyfriend have been in a rough patch regarding our sex life for over two years now. We had some bad experiences where we would not perform well and cry about it more than once. Since then, we've had insecurities and haven't felt comfortable anymore around any topic regarding our sexuality. Now we don't ever have sex. And if we do, it, it's never smooth or casual. It's always a big deal. I'm struggling with what to do. I feel like my boyfriend doesn't even care if we have or don't have sex. In fact, I feel like he's terrified of sex now. Like he's always afraid of failing and doesn't enjoy it anymore. For me, I think sex is not the most important thing in a relationship and that's why I'm still here and in love with him. But I do feel sexual desires in general and like my life is lacking pleasure. Do you have any tips? I don't know how to approach this without hurting him or my relationship. Okay, I really appreciate this question and all the detail Mm. that we have. The first thing that I want to encourage and also just talk openly about is the fact that sex therapy is a thing that exists and Mm. that a lot of couples do do. There are a lot of professionals both in like um, the more like tantra sexuality space and as well as like traditional therapy when it comes to sex and It sounds like that could be a really great thing to explore when it seems like it's quite a complex situation. It does sound very complex. That's the first thing that I was thinking is that I see how like this has become quite a difficult scenario to even talk about Yeah, because it seems like there's a lot of feelings and a lot of insecurities on both ends and obviously you both deeply care about your relationship. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely think that if it's something you're open to, having a conversation with your partner about the fact that you would be open to going to sex therapy and would like to work on that part of your relationship, perhaps you can even just like, uh, you know, find one in your area and sort of like come to your partner uh, with this idea, Mm. even if it's like online sex therapy or something like that, that's like a bit more comfortable. But that seems like it could be something really positive for you to do. I do think that there can be, for men, a lot of stigma around not performing well. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've especially seen on social media the rise of women talking about the pleasure that they don't get from men. Mm. And so I do think that, like, we uh, need to be sensitive to the fact that, like, A lot of the time men have been taught that they need to be extremely dominant, that they need to perform well in the bedroom, that they need to have this like strong masculine energy in order to be a great partner to a woman. Mm. And that a lot of the time these insecurities can come up for men sexually, uh, especially like if they feel like they're not performing or like I know that this can happen for men when they like can't get an erection and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and they can feel very demasculated by Mm. it so I think that's something to be mindful of and recognizing the fact that it could be coming from that space and not from the space of like not wanting to have sex with you oh yeah for sure I think that you're so right about the sex therapy being an option. I think if that is maybe not something that is possible to explore, whether it's financially or maybe you just don't feel like you're ready for it. Like Ducky said, there's a lot of online resources as well. Like 
just like we're talking about food bloggers before there's also so many sex therapists online like Mm. on tiktok and on instagram like i see them constantly maybe that's just because i'm a little perv and i love listening about stuff to stuff like this Uh but like they're everywhere so you could even just research that or like books and stuff like that i also think like as it sounds so easy and i'm not trying to say it is because i know it's not but i really think that in order to like even remotely overcome this whether it's bringing up the topic of therapy or bringing up just the topic in general there's going to have to be some communication like a barrier breakthrough Mm. and maybe it's just about like sitting down not having like an hour-long conversation but sitting down just saying hey like i just want to bring this up can we just spend five minutes just talking about this and just say i felt this i want to work on this would you be open to it Mm. bringing it up seeing how they respond seeing what their insecurities are or what their feelings are and then maybe it's a matter of finding like you know it's not about going from not having sex to having the most incredible sex in one day, like Mm. after one conversation, I think that's unrealistic. It could be about, you know, just having intimate moments together where sex isn't the goal. Mm. Maybe it's just about being intimate and maybe some seeing what happens. Like maybe you just want to like have a bath together or just lay in bed together with like candles lit and stuff like that and just spend quality time together, giving each other like a massage and stuff like that Mm. and seeing how things go without the, aim and the goal or the pressure on either end to be let's have sex and let's have good sex like it might just be good to take that pressure off it and to have an open conversation about how like while sex is amazing for most people in most relationships it's about the intimacy both physically and emotionally I Mm. feel so maybe that's something to think about like how can we just kind of ease into this uh, feeling more sexually comfortable with each other because obviously it's possible because you got, you've said that you've um, you've been together for a while and you, it doesn't sound like you've had a, you know, a bad slash troubled sex life before this. Mm. So I think just starting out by doing that is probably the best way to go about it. And then you can explore things like therapy, whether it's online or like reading books or just like talking about it and exploring it yourself. Mm. Okay. Our final question for this episode is, do you think that butterflies are a good thing or are a warning sign? Okay, I just want to quickly say that when we received this question, I had the dumbest moment I've ever, I think I've ever had in my whole it life. Actually, I think it is the dumbest moment. It was moment so ever. fucking stupid. I literally was like, huh, that's an interesting question, Ducky. Like, do you know why butterflies, like, should we Google, like, why but- seeing butterflies might be a warning instead of a good sign? And she was like, what do you mean? <sighs> like butterflies like feeling butterflies for a person and I was like oh I thought you meant like a physical butterfly flying past you <laughs> flying past you outside was like a warning mm-hmm. anyway the dumbest thing I've ever thought in my whole life that's fine do we think that they are good or a warning sign so I understand where this question's coming from because I think we hear a lot about how the spark can be more of a warning sign mm. if you feel this like intense feeling towards someone when you first meet them. It can be more like an infatuation rather than an actual um, build of a relationship and it can also feel like you're just getting butterflies over someone that you don't really mm. know that well. I think that a healthy amount of nervousness and excitement, which is what butterflies usually are, is a great thing and Mm. I think that you know that time and getting to know someone and those feelings coming up can be really exciting but I don't think we should confuse this with this like electric feeling that we think that we feel when we meet someone who is so great and we also shouldn't constantly feel nervous Mm. about seeing someone that we're into I think that feeling like this you know 
oh, this is like a really exciting thing and feeling this mixture of excitement and nerves is like really, really sweet. But if you're like in their presence and you're just like constantly nervous and you can't be present and stuff like that, I think that's when it can be a little bit of a warning sign. Yeah, I think try not to confuse like your intuition telling you maybe that something's not quite right, Mm. as in anxiety, nerves, maybe a feeling of discomfort. Mm. Don't confuse that with butterflies. And that can be really hard. I personally have only like very, very, very recently, like I went 28 and a half years of my life not fucking knowing how to tell the difference between my intuition and like anything else that's Mm. going on. Um, And that's something I've had to work on. I also think that it's important to understand that, you know, butterflies, like we romanticize them. And like, that's like, you know, you you always hear about like, oh, like, I met them and they gave me butterflies. Like, that's how I knew it was right. Like, Mm. yes, that's totally, like, romantic and beautiful and great sometimes and is a sign that, like, someone excites you and that you like them. Maybe there's a connection there. Mm. But I also think butterflies can occur when someone maybe, like, fits into, you know, what you think is going to be good for you and Mm. maybe it's not what's going to be good for you. Like, if you have an unhealthy pattern in relationships, if you have an unhealthy tendency to go for people who excite you in some way that's actually, like, proven not to be very good in the past Mm. but your body responds to it because it's what we've learned emotionally and physically. Mm. I just think the more you get to know yourself, the more you'll know whether, like, this kind of thing is good or if it's maybe a warning side. So I guess the answer is both, right? Like it Mm -hmm. can be both. But I do think that the more we get to know ourselves and our our way of being with people, Mm. we can maybe make sure that they are just a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to end the episode. It is a beautiful way to end the episode, <laughs> my darling. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Really hope you enjoyed uh, Unprofessional Opinions. It's been a while. You know mm-hmm. we love these episodes and we hope you did as well. If you did enjoy this episode, we would really appreciate if you could share this episode with a friend and recommend our podcast to them and or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out to reach new people. And if you would like bonus episodes, well, what do you know? We have them over on patreon you can become a patron via the link in our show notes we would be super appreciative yeah i think that's all we have to say that's all we have to say we look forward to being in your ears next friday morning have a beautiful weekend and we will speak to you soon bye Bye.